Welcome to the Bunker Hill Cheesecast, brought to you by Heine's Cheese Chalet, a little place with big taste. I'm Missy Horsfall, Director of Tourism Relations. Tour groups have long been popular in our area. Hundreds of buses have flowed in and out of our area for the last decade. Three and four day trips, stopovers of people going from one place to another, or perhaps just a group of people coming to Ohio's Amish country for a day. The recent pandemic has changed the face of that, with many tour and bus companies suffering in the wake of COVID-19. But people still long to travel together, and much effort is being made to make group travel safe once again. In the early 1800s, many major cities in America used horse-drawn omnibuses or trolleys. By the latter part of the century, most streetcars had switched from using animals to other types of motive power, including steam dummies, tram engines, and cable cars. Eventually, electricity took over the running of trolleys and streetcars as public transit in larger cities. The Great Depression and the onset of World War II fed the decline of this mode of transportation, along with the onset of automobiles for daily use and buses for transit. Buses themselves have been around for a long time, but the history of tour buses really began in North America in the early 20th century when trucks were converted for sightseeing within large American cities. Gray Line sightseeing operation, for instance, began in 1910. Eventually, buses moved from city to city and eventually crossed the entirety of the nation and developed into the motor coach industry we have today. A tour operator, whether a one-man show or part of a larger company, puts the tour together and handles marketing, reservations, and logistics. A tour guide, on the other hand, is a person who leads a tour offering insights and information in the area they are seeing. My guest today, Rich Troyer, owner of Troyer Amish Tours, is both tour operator and a tour guide. Welcome, Rich, and thanks for being on the podcast with me. Thanks for the invitation, Missy. It's great to be here. Good to see you again. It's been a while since I've seen you, so it's great to be together at the table with you. Yeah, we go back a little ways with our professional lives on on the tourism side of things. Uh, And it's so fun to see you. And I'm excited to know that you have managed to survive through the pandemic and as your tour company. It's a smaller tour company, but it's unique. And that's one of the reasons why I wanted to have you on the podcast with me, because I, I feel for the motor coach industry, it's suffering right now and it's difficult for them. I think they'll revive, they'll come back, as many people have had to do, kind of reinvent themselves. But your tour company, because you're sort of a one-man show, you have another tour guide that helps you, but you have a van and you work in this area. And it's, but it's the uniqueness of it to the people that want to take the tour. What they want, you can customize. Yes, exactly right. Uh, you said it well. I'm a one-man with a van uh, show, and basically... Uh, you know, our tag when we first started the business back in 2017 was your time, your place, and your tour. Mm. And so uh, we stick to that motto. Uh, that's been very important uh, for me is to head the company up in a way that uh, people know that it's customized. It's what they want. It's not what I want. Um, they a lot of times don't know where to go, mm-hmm. what to do. And so they look to me to lead them that way. And so uh, we take them out on the back roads and we show them the countryside, the various different uh, sects of Amish that we have, the different orders. Mm -hmm. We talk about all of that. And basically it's helping them to uh, find a niche while they come to Amish country because there's so much to do. Mm -hmm. Um, I was gone for 30 years and coming back, uh, this place, the landscape has changed a lot. 
but it's been exciting. It's been really exciting. And what I've appreciated is the embracing that the chamber and, and others have done uh, to welcome me back home mm-hmm. and to, uh, to run a successful business back here in Holmes County. Well, the thing that I, I love about this is say, say a group of people or visitors come to the area. Oftentimes they really don't know what to see, or maybe they've been here, but they've seen the same things over and over because that's what mm-hmm. they always do when they come here. Right. But if they have an overnight stay or they have time, they can come to a tour operator like you in the area and say, well, I'm interested in, maybe they're interested in the history of the Amish, or maybe they're interested in some unique, maybe shopping opportunities, or Mm -hmm. maybe they want to eat in an Amish home, or they want to actually see and experience broom making, candle making, uh, something on that order. Any of those things are possible, right? Yes, absolutely. Yeah. One of the most unique places I have right now, um, two years ago, um, I kept driving down this road up uh, in the area, and I had a phone call from an Amish gentleman one day, and he said, uh, hey, I wanted to see if you would be interested in stopping by to see what I have. And so I thought, okay, you know, I kind of rolled my eyes a little bit, I have to admit. And uh, so uh, I did stop by, I called him back. He said, I see your van going by here every day. And he said, I got the number off the side of it, and I decided to call you. I'm going to get ready to build a showroom in the front of my shop above my barn. And so I thought, okay, we'll see what it is, you know. And he does woodworking. And so I found a live-edge woodworker who just specially, he's a, he's a, a carpenter, a trained carpenter, but he does live-edge woodworking. And he has a neighbor who is a dairy farmer who happens to have a one-man bandsaw. He goes out within a five-mile radius and he cuts down trees that the lumber mills would not want because they have knots on them, uh, so they end up with a lot of character wood. This is the wood that the the main lumber mills don't want. And so he gets these within a five-mile radius. He cuts them up, and he puts them on slabs, uh, puts the slabs on uh, air drying and for about eight months, and it's a long process. But then uh, this guy, this gentleman buys them from him, and he puts them in a dry kiln, and then he works them. And he makes some of the most unique pieces that you've ever seen. That is so fascinating. And they get to watch mm-hmm. him work and see his pieces. They can. On days, some days he's finishing in the back. Some days he's, he's knee-deep in sawdust. And, you know, so he's got the shop behind it and the showroom in front of the finished product. And it's a dream, it's a dream stop for a tour guide, a tour operator. Because of all the places in the years I've been doing this now, for this is our fifth season, I thought... I need somewhere that they can get some, buy an item because people always want to buy things while they're on tour because that's important to them. It's, it's a momentum Mm -hmm. for uh, a memento for what they, what they experienced. And uh, he makes, uh, he makes some of the neatest uh, serving trays, which are a hot item right now, charcuterie boards, cutting boards, uh, presentation boards of all kinds. He's got, you know, hooks that you hang on the wall made out of a, a live edge piece of wood. And he's got the most beautiful black walnut, hickory, all, mm. of, um, all kinds of, of wood that he uses. And that's the, kind of, that's the kind of shop or retail place that you would never find on your mm-hmm. own unless you were local or someone told you exactly how to get there. Even local people don't know where he is. Yeah, yeah. To, it, out on the yeah. back roads, you mm-hmm. know, to try to find him. That is yeah. amazing. So we do that. That's one of our specialty stops. And, and of course, we have the... You know, we have the other by the wayside stops, but there are other other places we go that are that anybody can go to. And so, usually, the way I direct people on my tours is, uh, you know, what their interests are. Uh, the other day, I had a couple that um, 
was uh, camping down in West Lafayette, and they were up for the day. And so I got this drift with, he was wearing camouflage, and so they're kind of outdoorsy kind of people. And so I said, you guys that really enjoy the cabin store, furniture store up in Mount Hope. And uh, they absolutely loved it. Oh, that is so, so neat. And and how fun for you, Rich, because you're a people person. I know that from experience. Yes. And right. you love getting to know the people that come on the tour and mm-hmm. where they're from and what their interests are. So I, I see that as a great uh, opportunity for you to really just thoroughly enjoy yourself as you give the tour. Yeah, we want to personalize it. You know, that's important to me. Um, you know, we had an incident yesterday. I had a family on tour from Cleveland, and their parents were in from uh, Phoenix. And uh, day before yesterday, I realized, oops, I didn't block the day out because it was Ascension Day. Oh, yes. That meant that none of my Amish customers are oh, open. Oh, yes. Or uh, my clients, or uh, the places of, of visit that we visit were not open, and they didn't want us on, on, on campus. So I called her, the lady that booked it, and I said, look, we have no stops tomorrow. I'm sorry. And they, they decided to opt out to, or opted in to do the tour anyway. It's a three-hour tour, and we spent all three hours driving on the back roads and dialoguing. I had a couple stops where I stopped off and described businesses with, to them. They absolutely loved it. Yeah. And the discount I gave them, they gave it back in gratuity. Oh, my. Because they enjoyed it so much. Well, in something like that, I think just, and yesterday was a gorgeous day. So mm-hmm. driving in this area, even a, a, a driving tour is mm-hmm. pretty amazing when you look. And then yeah. the stories behind everything, just the sights that you see. I'm sure it was a wonderful mm-hmm. tour, even yeah. if they didn't get to stop and see some of the uh, specialty shops and things where you go. Yeah, they enjoyed it immensely. And uh, that was, you know, when uh, her folks were from Phoenix, and so they had never been here. Um, I'm I'm almost predominant tours that I've had this spring already have been first time people to wow. Holmes County. So you know we live here and we work here and we think everybody's seen been to Holmes County, and we I find new people every day. Yeah, and it goes back to um, two years ago. I had a client from um, from just north of Lancaster, and she came over, and she called and made a booked a tour, and she said. Uh, you know, my girlfriend and I are coming over to Amish country, Ohio Amish country, and we decided we're going to do a tour first because we've never been there. And she said, we've been, we've been going to Lancaster Amish country for 21 years. Wow. And we finally took a tour last year, and we found things that we didn't even know existed in Lancaster County. And so we decided we're going to do a tour first, and that is, that is sums up. Pretty much everything that I always tell customers and thank customers for, if they've never been to the area or even if they've been here, I've, I've had customers that clients that have been here for 20 years have been coming here. Recently, I had a couple from, uh, from out in Iowa. They've been coming here. It's been nine years since they've been here, but they've been coming here for 30 years wow. when tourism first started. Mm-hmm. And uh, they couldn't believe how different it was in nine years. It has changed a great deal. Uh, what are, what's the biggest change you've seen? Of course, now let's back up just a little bit. You're a local. Right. Right? right. You were born and raised in this area. Mm-hmm. And so a lot of changes have happened for a you. A lot of changes, mm-hmm. yeah. Matter of fact, the house that I'm renting right now for my business uh, is actually a house that I was, I was growing up in when I was about four years old. Oh, really? I mean, my mom and dad had just left the Amish about four years prior. It was before I was born. But uh, they had just left the Amish, and my dad was building a house up for my grandparents, who were Amish. 
and on uh, County Road 135, which is right up from 114 where I live off of. I'm, I'm right back home in a sense, uh, full cycle. And uh, so I get to introduce people to my home that I live in now and how I live there. And I have pictures of me standing on a pile of gravel of my dad's Studebaker in the garage right where I do my tours out of. And so, um, you know, it, it's, it's great to be back home. I enjoy, I enjoy it like I've never enjoyed it because the first two years I was here, I just couldn't get over how beautiful it is here. Um, living in uh, Fort Wayne, Indiana for 30 years of my life. And uh, it's flat out there. It's mm-hmm. just plain flat in Western Ohio and, and Indiana. So being back home, I just really enjoy the terrain and being the foothills of the Appalachian Mountains. And, you know, it's neat to have people from West Virginia come up and visit. And they constantly say on the back roads, they're like, oh, we feel like we're back home. Yeah. Well, welcome to the Appalachians. We're just in the foothills, not in, yeah. the, in the heart of it. Yeah, and people don't normally think about that at, in terms of this area, but mm-hmm. it is. And I come from Michigan where it's it's flat as a pancake. Mm-hmm. Uh, you can take a mechanics ruler and measure the county <laughs> rows, the square miles or right. square from the aerial photographs, I, which I know from doing work for my dad. Mm-hmm. But this area, oh, there's just no way to describe it. It is mm-hmm. it is gorgeous. So yeah. there's there's so many things that come together. The the legacy and heritage that we've talked a lot about on the podcast. And I think mm-hmm. that's part of what we have to offer here uh, that makes us unique. And then the absolutely beautiful scenery, plus the, I want to say the, the quaintness or the uniqueness of the Amish farmers out in the field and mm-hmm. how beautiful yeah. it is when they shock their weed or when they're out, you know, with the horses and they're, you know, plowing. Big loads of hay, oh, anything yeah. from big loads of hay coming into the barn to, Manure spreader with a, a five horse hitch because it's too big of a manure spreader for mm-hmm. two. Um, I'm seeing more two bottom plows now, which takes at least five to six horses to pull, and so we're seeing bigger teams out there. Um, the the two horse team is is a little, uh, still there, but it's a little more rare because it's a single bottom, so they're trying to get work done a little bit faster. Um, so yeah, that landscape's changing. The round balers, you know, I always mm-hmm. tell the legacy of the round bale committee. Uh, have you heard of the legacy of the Round Bale Committee? No, I haven't. Well, that's, uh, there was a committee formed that was trying to outlaw the making of round bales and because they found out the cows weren't getting square meals. <laughs> but after a little research, they found out that they were getting pretty well-rounded meals after all. So it was all Sorry. right. Yeah, yeah. No. I, I imagine you have a number of those for your... Uh, yeah, we have a bunch. We have uh, fun on the tour. On the tour, a great opportunity not only to learn but to enjoy and find out uh, so many interesting facts. Mm-hmm. I was just thinking as I was talking to you, as a local, oh my goodness, I should be on that tour. I, there are things that I've seen, but there's a lot of things mm-hmm. I haven't seen, and I, yeah. I would find it fascinating. And you would, it. yeah. And I, I challenge uh, our, our front desk people at the hotels all the time to send their people on my tour, and I would do it complimentary, uh, especially when I have other people on because it's natural for me. Then I, they get me in my natural environment mm-hmm. instead of trying to put on a show. Uh, but I'm pretty natural anyway, the way it goes. But I think that's one of the things that um, a lot of people don't understand. I recently had a hotel that uh, people were saying, you need to let the front desk know where you are because they don't even know where you are, and they were just up the street from me. And so that gets really hard because, um, you know, people change. Uh, right. Workers change, and so um, keeping everybody in tune with what's going on and who's here and what's going on. But how helpful for our visitors if not just the hotels but even in the, the retail front line to have a good sense of the community. Because we get asked questions all the time. Right, right. Uh, I know at Heine's Cheese, we get asked all the time, where's this? Or what should we do for this? Or mm-hmm. is there anything open for 
this or I'm hungry. Where, where's a good place to eat? Or, right. uh, and sometimes they have specific questions about specific businesses. I uh, get phone calls all the time about mm-hmm. different things. And so you have to be a little bit of a, you have to have a little bit of knowledge, local knowledge, I think, in order to be helpful to other people. Yeah. And taking your tour would be a great way mm-hmm. to know the area and get some of that information. Yeah, there's a lot here. There's a lot to do. Um, I'm always trying to, when we get done with the tour, I, uh, for instance, the couple yesterday had a three-year-old, and I would have taken them, sent them down to Hirschberger's or the farm at Walnut Creek, mm-hmm. but they weren't open, yeah. obviously, because of Ascension Day. But yeah. instead, they could stand out in front of my house, and at one point, we saw 10 buggies oh. at before we left for the tour, 10 buggies, and they were all full of kids. Yeah. And so you had open buggies with five and six kids in them, one in mom's lap and, and four in the back seat, and buggies going everywhere. At one point, there were four buggies following each other. So it's like a wagon train going <laughs> over to the neighbor or over to the cousins. Well, and that's real life here, right? Mm-hmm. That's so people oh, yeah. get a, a view of that, a slice of that. Yeah. And I always find that. I find joy in watching people experience that for the first time mm-hmm. because it is it's fascinating and wonderful and unique in its own right. So you're correct. Those of us who live here or have been here for a while, we take it for granted. Mm-hmm. Like anywhere else. I mean, you live by the ocean. You have a view of the ocean. You think, how can you not just stand here? How can you not watch the sunset every day? That's so gorgeous. Right. And people are like, ah, it sets every night. I yeah. see it all the time. Uh, so well, we had camels on tour yesterday. So first time this has happened. Now we have camels that I've seen. I, I I always shock people when we drive by this place because there are camels in the field with horses and and Holsteins. And so uh, yesterday they were laying right by the fence, right by the road. It was the big male and the female. They were a pair. They were laying together, dromedaries, one one hump camels, and they were standing sitting right there. I got a picture of them right out of my window, and I had a little three year old on my tour. She was in her car seat, and I said, look, Abby, there, I got something special coming up for you. And I engaged her as much as I can because I want to engage them. And she's going to be able to say she saw camels in Amish country. In Amish country. In Amish country. <laughs> Who knew there Who were camels knew? in Amish country? Did you country? know that? I have seen one, and I don't even remember well, where Well, there were eight of them in the field yeah. yesterday. Yeah. Now, <laughs> I, I need to find that place, Rich. We'll talk later. You can tell me where. Because I love to take my grandchildren out sure. and watch. And so there's have yeah. been places that I've seen it but so we have unique spots like that things like that that people can see and I kind of know and I've gotten in in our, our this being our fifth season we've really gotten to know where these places are and uh it's always interesting when I go on Facebook or social media Instagram and I see people that discovered the camels in Holmes County for yeah. the first time and I'm like yeah I know where they are yeah. <laughs> we have a lot of secrets so we have come, a lot of secrets come find us that's right, right. That's lots right. of unique and amazing mm-hmm. opportunities Rich, tell me, what is, what's the most unusual visitors that you've ever had on your tour? I'm oh. sure you've had them from other countries and Oh, other yeah, cultures. all over the world, literally all over the world. Um, so um, I was, uh, had a booth down at the uh, Walnut Creek Amish Flea Market. Uh, I got a booking for six people, all-in-one booking, and I saw it was a, a foreign name, you know, I guess stereotype, but none, you know, we kind of know. And so I thought, okay, interesting. And so when they showed up at my booth to go on the tour, they were um, six Muslim gentlemen from Iraq. And their friend was coming to Cleveland Clinic for, um, for treatment for his Crohn's disease. Oh, wow. The Iraqi government was sending him over here for treatment for Crohn's disease because Cleveland Clinic was one of the only places in the world that does this type of treatment that he needed. 
So five of his friends decided to come with him for the two weeks that he was here oh my. to give him company yeah. to take his mind off of, off of the procedures. And so they decided to book a tour in Amish country. That's amazing. That's very intriguing to but me. But so they, um, we were ready for the tour. It was a 2 o'clock tour. And by 2.15, they weren't moving to my van. And I noticed, um, I looked over, and the one gentleman was on his knees facing to the east yes. doing his prayers with his socks and his shoes off. Yes. And so I said, okay, well, well, we'll wait. And they didn't seem to be in a hurry. They were talking. The other, other five guys were talking. And there was only one interpreter, so he was, he was the best in English. And so um, he got up and put his shoes and socks on, and I'm like, okay, we're going to go. And they didn't go. They didn't go. Well, another gentleman got down, and he did his prayers. Oh, my goodness. So half an hour later, we finally get in the van, and we go. So you had a lot of cultural learning to do for yourself that day, right? Yep, yep. Oh, this is so intriguing to me because this is what happens. We have a unique culture here, but we have unique cultures come to us, Mm -hmm. and we learn from them, which is pretty amazing. Absolutely. Wow. So you finally got on the van. We finally got in the van, and so we did some stops, and um, I was uh, describing the sheep farming. We have a lot of sheep farmers here. So I described that to them and, you know, how sometimes we work with different ethnic groups to do direct sales to mm-hmm. ethnic groups for, for a kosher lamb. And uh, all of a sudden, the one that spoke English said, where can we get a lamb like this? And I'm like, oh, boy. And there was discussion going on between two of them about, and I knew it was about this lamb thing. And they were deciding about how they could get a lamb and put it in the back of my van. <laughs> And I, I'm like, okay, is this going to be a slain lamb? Is, is one of them a priest? Uh, is, it a, is it going to be a slain lamb or is it going to be a live lamb in the back of my van? I don't know. And all of a sudden he said, uh, no, never mind, never mind. We decided it's going to be too messy. Oh. Like, oh, thank you, Jesus. <laughs> I'm glad that I could put a lamb in the back of my van. So we did the rest of the tour. Oh, we stopped at, a, we stopped at one of our stops, and I won't mention the stop, but the guy asked if he could take pictures. And I said, absolutely. And so he went over to the picnic table, and he got a, had a box, and he got a drone out. And he started getting his drone out and taking pictures of this, of this farm. And it was a, a public place, uh, but it was a private business. Right. And he started taking pictures. I'm like, oh, I hope the owner doesn't come out. We're going to be ousted out of here. And the next thing I know, they had a buggy ride schedule, and they went over and gave the ticket to the bu- guy with the buggy ride, and he locked this drone in on the buggy and flew it about 50 feet high. And he was taking a video of their buggy ride. Oh, my goodness. And it, was, it was, had a safety, a three-foot safety on each side. Right. And it was going over the trees and everything and videotaping their buggy ride. When he got back, he brought the drone right up behind the buggy. And the Amish guy just looked at me and shook his head because you could hear the drone. Yeah. And he was afraid he was going to scare the horse. Yeah. Well, the guy went back out of the buggy and grabbed it out of the air. And I'm like... What just happened? Oh my goodness, technology what is just mind-blowing. Happened? And and this is this is sort of having one foot in the last century and one foot mm-hmm. in this century. It's like yeah. wow. Exactly. Whoa. And so on the way back to the uh to the flea market, uh the one gentleman goes, You like music? And I said, Yes, I love music. What kind of music you like? I said, kinda of all kinds of all kinds of genre, you know. And he goes, You like country western? I said, <laughs> Yes, it's good. He knows he said, uh, you know John Denver. I said, yes, take me home, country roads. Yes, yes, country roads, take me home. Here are guys that couldn't even speak English, but all six of them sang that song, Take Me Home, Country Roads oh by John Denver. And I got a video to prove it. 
That's so. amazing. What a great story and how fun to meet, uh, as I said, people from across the world. Mm-hmm. Like how would you, yeah. the world came to your doorstep, Rich, right it, there. They do every day. Mm. Uh, the other day I had a tugboat operator from uh, southern Alabama, tugboat operator. He spent five weeks in the harbor of New York driving a tugboat. Really? Yeah, who drives a tugboat? I've never met a tugboat operator. Oh, that would be a so, fascinating conversation. I, oh, it was. I learned from him. I, I, I learned... That's just me. Yeah. I love to learn from other people, and, and I love when people learn from me. Yeah. So we work together, and we have great tours that way. Well, and I think that that's one of the most unique things of our area, that we, we're, we're in the middle of nowhere, basically. <laughs> you know, in the, in the heart of yeah. Ohio, out in the country, mm-hmm. we, we are small towns, you know, connected mm-hmm. together. But the world comes to our doorstep, and we have the opportunity not only to share what we have here, but to learn from other people. And it's fascinating and wonderful. And I I love to hear these stories. I'm going to have to have you back in the podcast (laughs) and we'll just talk stories. Well, just like, just like you say, we're small town. um, My biggest challenge is describing to people where I live because I live in Walnut Creek geographically, but because um, the county shares postal delivery, and this is the most confusing thing for even people that live here, why I have a Sugar Creek address, but I live in Walnut Creek. Yeah. Because Walnut Creek and Berlin do not have delivery systems. Yes. And so they rely on Tuscarawas County all the way up through Walnut Creek here. Mm-hmm. And then Berlin relies on Millersburg for delivery systems. So everything in Berlin is Millersburg address. Exactly. And people that, are very confused about that. That's us. I, mean, I was get, confused about it. We get it. phone calls all the time for Heine's Cheese. Yes, it's a Millersburg address. <laughs> no, we're right outside of Berlin. Yeah, yeah so you face yeah. the same and, issue. And GPS doesn't work well. For a mm-hmm. lot of people, for a lot of carriers yeah. in this area, and yeah. with the hills and so forth, reception. So yeah. you have to kind of go the old-fashioned way and uh, give direction by landmarks, maybe, <laughs> or roads. or. I have a map. Uh, when people book, there's usually a map there. Um, a lot of times they'll put GPS, and they just follow the GPS instead of a map. And what happens, they end up, <laughs> uh, end up over at my neighbor's on the way to the farm at Wana Creek. Mm-hmm. And so he's threatened to start doing tour, tours himself. Tours. Yeah, right? that's right. If you show right. up, I'll give you a tour. Yeah, that's right. I'll take your money right here, right? <laughs> oh, maybe he'll start his own business. Yeah, then. well, that's what Ivan's threatened me to. There he's, you go. He's threatened that. So, then yeah. you've got the competition. Yeah, that's so. right. I told him, just hop on my van on, and you could be the tour guy. Uh, if, if he's Amish, he'll say, hop that's in right. my buggy. I'll yeah. just take you yeah. out, right? Yeah, he's new order. Yeah. yeah. So. so that's. Uh, you hop on his tractor. On his tractor. There you go. Tractor tours. Oh, we see a lot of those here too. Yeah. Uh, once again, Rich, thank you so much for joining me. And again, I'm going to have you back sometime. We'll, we'll, I'm excited. Yeah, I'd we'll love talk to. stories of the area and maybe even yeah. the history of the area. Mm-hmm. Yep. Uh, would be a fun time. So absolutely. Thank, thank you, Missy, for the invitation. And now it's time for Did You Know? Did you know that the inventor of shredded wheat was born in 1843 in Salt Creek Township, Holmes County, Ohio? He married in Mount Hope, just four and a half miles from here. In 1892, Henry Perkey came up with the idea of what he called little whole wheat mattresses to help with his own digestive issues. He studied law and became a lawyer in Nebraska, eventually moving to Colorado for his health. Known as a pioneer of the cookless breakfast food, it was Perky who first mass-produced and nationally distributed ready-to-eat cereal, ahead of the better-known John Harvey Kellogg and Charles William Post. As well as being an inventor and lawyer, Perky went on to become a writer, and you can still buy his book, Wisdom vs. Foolishness, on Amazon today. And now you know. (music) 